Luke chapter 2 this morning. Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. We're going to look at the song of the angels. And wouldn't you love to have heard that song, by the way? Can you imagine um, what that sounded like? Now, we have the words of it. We don't have anything of the tune of it. Um, we just have the words. But uh, that must have been incredible to hear. I think something we need to remember about Christmas is that though Christmas was for us and Christmas was a Savior being born, uh, <clears throat> that we might uh, live uh, and not die, Christmas had a huge impact on the inhabitants of heaven. The angels have been waiting for a long time to see how God was going to work all this plan out. And they didn't know until he actually worked it out. So they, 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 this angelic chorus gets to be a part of announcing uh, what God was doing. And I imagine the thrill for them, because remember, they're real beings, uh, just like we are. Um, I imagine the thrill for the angels in being involved in this song uh, was incredible, too. So I, I, again, one of those things, I don't know if there's action replay, but if there is, that I want to see. I want, I, I want to see and hear those angelic voices as they declare the fact that uh, Jesus is being born. So Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. We're going to deal with verse 14, but we're going to read the whole passage of the angels and what they have to say. And there were in the country, in that same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. That's always what happens when people encounter God or, 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 or the glory of God. They're always afraid. It's so different to what we experience and what we know as human beings. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, sorry, verse 10, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, this is what they sung, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them uh, by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. <clears throat> and just to remind you, too, that the birth of Jesus was not something that was hidden in a corner. Nothing about him was hidden in a corner. Uh, it was all made known, and the shepherds made known what they heard. Anybody who wanted to hear got to hear. Anybody who was interested got to hear, uh, even the Pharisees. But you know what? A lot of people just weren't interested. Same as it is today. A lot of people just weren't interested. But some people uh, took it and were interested and they heard it and <clears throat> it became a life changer for them. Let's ask the Lord's blessing. Father, would you bless us this morning as we look to your word? Help us, Lord. <clears throat> we need your hand and your power to enable us to actually come to grips with Scripture, what it says. And Lord, uh, help us that we might be more like your son. In Jesus' precious name, amen. 
All right. First thing we see, uh, our verse is verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill to men. So three parts to this song that they sang. First of all, glory to God. Do you know that all things were created for his glory? This world and everything in it was created for his glory. We serve a God who has the power to create a world and worlds and to do anything that he wants. He's omnipotent. And he created it all out of nothing. And he created it for his glory. He created it that we would look upon it and say, what a God. He created that we would understand who he is and what he is. He, he created this for his glory. Now you say, <clears throat> that, seems, that, that seems very egotistical to me. Well, you've got to understand he's God. He's the artist. He's the creator. When he does something, he expects his creation to recognize him for doing it. He's not insecure in any way, but he's looking for you and I to recognize the fact that he did it. And all things are created for his glory, and everything in this world points to him if we let it. Let me read you something. Uh, They said that this salvation gave glory to God in the highest. That salvation is God's highest glory. God is glorified in every dewdrop that twinkles in the morning sun. He is magnified in every wood flower that blossoms in the copse. Although it lives to blush unseen and waste its sweetness in the desert air, he is glorified in every bird that warbles on the spray, in every lamb that skips in the meadow. He's glorified in all of it. Everything of his creation points to him and brings glory to him. But this is different. This that they're announcing is richer and deeper and more magnificent than anything that man has seen before. He's glorified in the salvation of man. Ephesians 1.6 says this, that we might be to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the Beloved. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Now, what's grace? Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is God giving us something that we don't deserve. Grace is God coming down to live in this world with sinners and to make it possible for sinners to become saints and go to be with him. That's what grace is. It's, it's, it's a story that is absolutely fabulous that God would come and give himself that man would know him. You see, when we talk about the idea of God creating it all for his glory, all of us, we kind of go, that, sounds, that does sound a bit off somehow. But then when we think, we think that he came down, when we think that he came down and he humbled himself, that he came down and that he was born to a lowly family and that he was placed in a humble manger and, and that he lived just like any man and that he lived a life that was perfect before God and man and then he gave himself to go to the cross to pay the price for our sins That's a story that just is... Nobody else but God could think it up. You and I wouldn't do it. We wouldn't do it in a fit. 
Nobody asked, but God could think this up. <clears throat> in fact, Ephesians 2, 7 says, says this, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Do you know one of the topics of conversation in heaven? One of the things that we will talk about through eternity is his grace. We were sinners. We were bound for hell. But he condescended. He loved us enough to come down, to, to dwell amongst us, to dwell amongst sinners, and to give himself that we might know him as our Savior. How can it be? How can it be that God would love us that much? And yet he did. He loved us that much in his grace. <clears throat> and we'll talk about his grace. We'll talk about the wonders of... Because I think, to be fair to us, right now, <clears throat> you know, we know the basic story, but I think it's hard for us to get the, uh, get the reality of it in our souls because we don't feel like we're that bad. You know, you know we may know that biblically and theologically we deserve hell, but we kind of feel that's a bit harsh for nice people like us. Because <clears throat> we're all kind of, we all think we're nice uh, in the heart of it all. But I think in heaven, the full reality, the, the full grim reality of what sin did and how it affected us and how spoiled we were with it uh, will hit and we will just rejoice all the more in the grace of one that came to save us and the plan that, 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 that he gave himself for us. But glory to God in the highest. Listen, there are so many reasons to glorify God. But he makes the pinnacle of glorifying him, not the creation. He makes the pinnacle of glorifying him the fact that he saved us. His grace. And when these angels came to sing that song and to say glory in the highest, they had an inside view of what he had done. And I think they had a better view than we do. Because they knew what real holiness is. They lived with him that was holy. They lived in confirmed holiness. They knew what it was. And they knew what earth was like and what we were like. And they're singing a song. How could it be? How amazing it is that God would come to save us. And you need to understand that. Grasp it in as much as we can. That you know what? <clears throat> he came to save me. And I didn't deserve it. What a God. What a Savior. That's the first part of their message. The second part of their message is this, peace on earth. Now, <clears throat> peace on earth is a bit problematic for us. Like, like, the, like the song we just said, this man is in the middle of the Civil War. Uh, he's watching brother killing brother. He's watching uh, nation against themselves. He's watching dreadful things unfold and the grimness and the awfulness of war and of all the wars, the Civil Wars the, uh, is the worst of all. And he's watching all that and he's hearing the bells tolling for Christmas and he's hearing the song that we're talking about this morning. He's in peace on earth. Where is it? Now, we could say that today in our day too, couldn't we? You know, we can look across our world at the wars that are going on today and the people that are dying and displaced. And and, uh, it seems like it's more than ever. It seems like it gets worse, not better. 
You know, uh, up to the 1900s, people thought that the church was going to bring in the golden age and that they, that they were making good progress uh, and they were bringing in the golden age. And then we, we, we hit the 20th century. And in the 20th century, uh, we had the First World War, uh, the war to end all wars. And then we had the Second World War. 25 million people died. And where's the peace? Where's the peace? In fact... <clears throat> Somebody did a study on it, and here's what they came, uh, what they said. Since 3600 BC, the world has known only 292 years of peace. During this period, there have been 14,531 wars, large and small, in which 3.6 billion people have died. That's half the current world population. 3.6 billion people have died. The value of the destruction uh, would pay for a golden belt around the world 97 miles wide and 33 feet thick. In addition, since 650 BC, there has been 1,656 arms races, only 16 of which have not ended in war. Uh, the remainder left their countries broke. So where's the peace? You know, where's the peace in our generation? Where's the peace in, uh, in any generation? And, and, and the Bible talks, and the, the message of the angels was peace on earth. You know, we can't just read things and discount it. We have to grapple with it intelligently and try and understand uh, what exactly it's talking about. James tells us that the reason we have wars uh, is basically because we lust and desire uh, and we have not. And we have not because we ask not and we ask amiss that we may consume it upon our own lusts. That, that, that man lusts once, goes after, and um, <clears throat> that's where war comes from. Basically, that the greed in man's soul, uh, uh, the greed in man's life is, is, is the issue for us. And so, <clears throat> the greed for the world hasn't been affected, has it? In fact, sometimes for us, it hasn't been affected very well, has it? So think of the story of what Jesus did. When Jesus came from heaven to, to dwell amongst men and to die on the cross... He was sacrificing everything that he wanted in favor of doing what was needful for somebody else. It was the most unselfish thing. That's the glory of it that could be imagined. Can you imagine Jesus who's holy, sinless, perfect, and has always had perfect fellowship with the Father. Can you imagine him leaving heaven to come down to this sinful world he was hated when he was about two years old the first murder attempt was made on his life and Herod slew all the babies in the area because this, this king this would be king was a threat to him you know as he began his ministry the more good he did the more he was hated the more power and the more blessing he brought to people around him the more he was hated they tried to catch him out. They tried to uh, do everything they could. And finally, the hatred for him became so great that they engineered his crucifixion. They didn't even do it themselves. They gave it to, gave it to the Romans to do. They hated the Romans. 
can you can you imagine him coming down to pay that price for sin? Can you imagine what that took? You know, Philippians 2, 5 through 8 talks about the idea that he came from heaven and he became uh, a man and he became a servant and he suffered the death of the cross. It's the total opposite to the selfishness that humanity knows that drives men into war. It's a completely different thing entirely. Is somebody willing to sacrifice themselves so completely that not just one of us given our lives, but the one who was heaven's child, the one who was as sweet and blessed and holy as it's possible to be, would put off his cloak of glory and come and walk in the midst of us. He, he, he gave everything. And he comes with a message of peace. And do you know that what he did is where the peace lies? Do you know why you and I fight and fuss? We fight and fuss because <clears throat> we're not getting what we want. Listen, you can put any shade you like on it. That's the reality of it. We fight and fuss. <clears throat> and you know, he brought peace. And I, I don't suppose that the world at large will ever understand that peace. I think we're going to have wars till Jesus comes. <clears throat> but you know, for us, there should be peace. Let me give you <clears throat> some clear ways that peace is real. First of all, peace with God is real. Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, <clears throat> what, what's that talking about? That's talking about the fact that be, before Jesus paid the price for sin... You and I were under the wrath of God. John 3.36 says it, right? <clears throat> he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Now, why did the wrath of God abide on David O'Gorman? Because it abode on me just the same way as it was on you. Why? Because I was a sinner. You say, but you weren't such a bad sinner. It doesn't matter. I was a sinner. I had broken God's law. I had gone my own way. I was living selfishly. And so the wrath of God was on me. Now think about it. I wouldn't like your wrath to be on me. But you're not that powerful. But I really wouldn't like it anyway. Think about the wrath of God. God was angry and upset with me. So angry and upset that he was going to put me away from him forever in a place called hell. <clears throat> but then Jesus came. And God says, I'll make peace with you. Your sin was paid for by my son. And if you're willing, if you'll come to me on the basis of what he did, I'll make peace with you. And no longer will you be under my wrath. But you'll be accepted in the beloved. You'll be part of my family because of what my son did. That's absolutely glorious truth. That's glory to God. That, that's amazing. Then on the basis of what Jesus did, he, he would make peace with me. And you can have that peace. You can have peace with God. 
You can be born again by faith in Jesus Christ today, and you can have peace with God, and you never have, never have to worry about that again. That's sealed and done and finished and fixed. In the moment that I got saved, I changed from having the wrath of God on me to having peace with God. And that's never changed. And one day, I'm going to step out of this world and into his presence as his child because of what Jesus did. And if you're born again, that's your truth too. And if you're not born again, you need to make it your truth. You need to come to that place where you bow before him and receive him as your savior. There's no better deal ever coming. You need to receive him as your savior. So peace with God is real. Then peace in your heart is real. It's not automatic for believers, but it is real. You can have it. Let me read you. Philippians uh, 4 verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. Don't worry. But in everything by prayer and supplication, instead of worrying, pray. Um, with thanksgiving, be thankful. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Do you know you're going to have peace in your heart because of what Jesus did when you walk in close relationship with him? Now, there's all kinds of things in this world that wants to steal your peace. Isn't it amazing? Christmas can steal your peace, can't it? Christmas, all, you know, all that you've got going on and all the gifts and the cooking and, and everything and family coming and all the rest of it, it can actually steal your peace. Isn't that funny? We celebrate the birth, the, the birthday of the Prince of Peace, and we lose our peace uh, in the middle of it all. You know what? <clears throat> Stop worrying about it all, and instead of worrying about it, let him know about it with prayer and supplication, and let the peace of God rule in your heart. That's what God says. It's a promise. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. You know what? All the stuff that threatens to steal your peace this Christmas is passing. It's not even real. The real things are set, settled, fixed forever. You've got peace with God. You're on your way to heaven. The end is sorted. The things that are bothering you, the things that you let get in, the things that you let disturb your peace, listen, reject them. Bring it to him. Lord, I can't bear the burden of this. And put it in his hands. Because the Bible says, for he careth for you. Listen, you can take and you can unload your burden and put it on him and enjoy peace this Christmas. And wouldn't that be much more in keeping with the season for you and I to actually enjoy the peace of God as we celebrate the birthday of the Prince of Peace. That would just make more sense for us, wouldn't it? Thirdly, though, <clears throat> peace with others is real. Now, it's not automatic again, but, but it's real. Right. <clears throat> uh, Ephesians 2.14 says, For he is, our, he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Do you know that God wants you to be at peace one with another? And again, because of all the friction and the problems and the difficulties and the money and differences and and the expectations and the pressures we can end up not having peace one with another at Christmas time we can end up celebrating the birthday of the Prince of Peace with war going on in our hearts now what's the answer to that how do you deal with that if the other person's not getting right they usually don't 
You have no control over them. You know what you have to do? You have to do what Jesus did. You have to let go. You have to come to the place where you release it, where you're not expecting other people to come to your party and to make you happy, because they're not. And when you release it, what you do is you let the Prince of Peace in to bring peace between you and people. Can you do that this Christmas? Can you just let peace rule between you and others as much as you're able? You can't do it all. But, but don't let this Christmas time, don't let the pressures of the season come between you and people till you have indigestion eating your food because you're fighting and fussing with other people. Kind of seems like a mockery of all that we stand for, doesn't it? We're supposed to love one another. We're supposed to be at peace one with another. We're supposed to follow peace with all men. Kind of seems like a mockery when we allow uh, war in our homes during this season. A great time of the year for you to actually <clears throat> make things right one with another. Things that have been bothering you, things that have been eating you, things that have been kind of uh, <clears throat> getting you bent out of shape, just, just make peace over them. Just come to that person that's been bothering you and say, look, I'm letting it go. You're not perfect, and I'm not perfect, and we don't all get it right, and let it go. Oh, listen, what a blessing it would be if we would do that. How that would honor the Prince of Peace if we would actually, in our homes, bring peace. May it not be that somebody is smarting or somebody is hurting in your home because of the way you treated them. There should be peace in our homes. We should let the Prince of Peace come in. We, We should let it go. Do you know what it took for Jesus to forgive your sin? It wasn't just you were a good person and he recruited you. Your sin was an offense to him. But he took your sin on his shoulders and he bore it. He bore the price completely. He asked nothing of you. He bore it completely and he released it. He let it go. You know what? I think if we did what Jesus did, the Prince of Peace might step into our hearts and change things for us. But there can be peace between uh, us and each other, us and the others in our homes. And finally, peace on earth will come. It's not here yet, and it's not likely to come anytime soon. What's going to bring the peace on earth is uh, the Prince of Peace is going to rule from Jerusalem for a thousand years, and he's going to make sure there's peace. Uh, For a thousand years, there's going to be peace. (laughs) Isaiah chapter 11 talks about it. And let me just give you some of the uh, things. It says, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the cow and the bear shall feed. Uh, The young will shall lie down together, and the sucking child shall play on the hole of an asp, that's a snake, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the cockatrice's den. And verse 9 says this, They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. One day Jesus is going to set up his throne in Jerusalem, and he is going to rule the earth in such a way that there is peace for a thousand years. I don't think man's hearts are going to be changed because at the end of the thousand years they'll go to war against Jesus again. But I think he's going to rule in such a way that no weapon uh, is formed against another, that there is peace in the land. But I think it will take the Prince of Peace to bring peace. I think there's no way for us to enjoy peace until he actually comes and rules. We're, we're, we're a fighting people. 
We fight. And listen, we live in a great day. Most of us, you know, have never known the reality of a war. Somehow, I understand some of you have. But most of us have never known the reality of a war. And maybe we live our lives and never know it. But you know what? We're a very unusual generation in that. <clears throat> most generations have known war at some point in their lives. And um, we, we may well do as well. But one day, there's coming peace. A peace that will be held by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. What a wonderful day that will be. Did, did you catch the figure for the, for the amount of money that was, that's been spent on wars? I mean, wars break nations. Can you imagine if instead of us building up everything and then breaking it all down again in a war, we actually just built up everything and things got better. Can you imagine what the world will be like after a thousand years with the Lord Jesus Christ ruling and with no war? It'll be a great place. That peace is coming. The angels were right. There's peace. There's all kinds of peace that comes from the fact of a savior that was being born, that, that has been born. But the peace, as far as war is concerned, is something we haven't seen yet, and we won't see until the Lord Jesus Christ Himself rules. You got to remember this: that when it comes to uh, the, the prophecies of Jesus coming, there's kind of two parts to it. Uh, when He came, He offered Himself as the King. He would have been the King from that day forward, but they rejected Him. They said, "No, we don't want Him." So he postponed the kingdom until he comes back again and Israel will finally submit to him and he will be king then. But what you've got is you've got us living in, a, uh, in that space between the cross and when he comes back. But when he comes back, he will set up his throne. And you know what? As good as that will be, it's not even heaven yet. That's just going to be us enjoying the rule, and we'll be with them enjoying the rule of the Lord Jesus Christ and seeing how he rules uh, the world and the peace there is. But it's come. when Jesus came, everything changed. Everything changed. Nothing is the same. And the more you and I grapple with that, let that truth and reality uh, into our lives and into our hearts and into our souls, the more we understand the peace. And the more we can enjoy the life he has planned for us to live, and the more we can actually rejoice in what he's done. Third point is this. Goodwill towards men. Now, goodwill is a valuable commodity. Do you know that sometimes when you buy a business, you buy it and they add on a figure for the goodwill? In other words, people are going to come to your business uh, because there's goodwill towards that business, and so you're actually paying for that as well. You're paying for the goodwill uh, of the business. And goodwill is basically this. Somebody wants your good. Somebody wants your good. Somebody wants things to be good for you. Oriel tried to buy the building down in Arklow last year, and it was an interesting thing. The landlord was... Let's say difficult, to say the least, right? But anyway, uh, uh, it, it, it went actually to a meeting uh, in, a, in a court. It wasn't a court case. It was a meeting in a court where there were barristers uh, going forward, uh, go, going back and forward and, and, and trying to hammer out a deal. 
And I went down to be with Ori just to give him moral support uh, while he was there because he had to make decisions and strike a deal on the on the on the spot. And his heart was to buy the building and um, <clears throat> to, to actually move on. So he, he was making what he considered to be a, a reasonable offer. Uh, but anyway, it went back and forth and back and forth. And the barrister, the barrister came, uh, Oriel's barrister came in frustration, and he said, "I have no idea why he called this meeting. He's no intention of sorting anything out today." And he was really frustrated because there was nothing going on. So there were all kinds of things. They were, he, he wasn't going to sell the building. They were trying to work out a new lease agreement. And finally began to dawn on all of us. There's no goodwill in this thing. He doesn't want the good of Oriel or this church at all. Uh, he's just against the whole thing. And, you know, that was the point where it became evident. Or he should just get out of it and let it go. Or he should just walk away from it. Because there was no goodwill. So different from when we bought the men's home. I remember Martin, <clears throat> the guy we were buying the men's home of, Martin wanted the men's home to have it. He wanted that ministry to, to, to flourish. He was actually there trying to help us and work with us as far as getting it was concerned. Same position. Banks were involved in both cases, but the same position. But there was goodwill involved. Goodwill is somebody wanting what's good for you. Do you know that that's what Christmas brings? That's what Jesus brings. Goodwill towards you. God wants the best for you. God wants to do good to you. God wants to bless you. God wants to uh, do everything he can to make it good for you. He has goodwill towards you. Now, this is not me having goodwill towards you, or you having goodwill towards me. This is God. The omnipotent, the almighty, the one who rules in the affairs of man, the one who nothing happens in his world apart from him being, him being involved in it. He wants good for you. That's the message of the baby. That's the message of the angels. God wants goodwill for you. God wants it good for you. I think sometimes we fail, fall back into paganism, don't we? Paganism is keeping God happy. Well, I had to go to church on a Sunday morning because if I go to church, God will be bent out of shape with me and uh, he'll, he'll do something bad in my life. Listen, I think you should go to church on a Sunday morning, but you know what? God's not doing something bad in your life because you don't get it, right? You've got goodwill. God wants your good. And it's a whole different thing for you to serve God who's got goodwill towards you than it is for you to serve God who's a God who's ready to smite you if you get it wrong. One is Christianity, the other is actually paganism. He's got, you've got goodwill from God. So much goodwill that he sent his son to hang on a cross to pay the price for your sin. That's, that's what God's done for you. That's what God wants for you. That's, that's where God is in your life. Now, if you're a believer today, you need to settle that in your heart. God wants my good. God tells you to do something, it's for your good. God shows you a pathway to take. It's for your good. God asks something of you. It's for your good. Because he's got goodwill towards you. Always. He looks on you as a beloved child and he wants the best for you. Always. He never looks at you as somebody that disappoints him and that he wants to get sorted out and get even with. He never looks on you like that. He looks on you with goodwill. And so, listen, rejoice in that fact. The message of Christmas to you is... Listen, goodwill towards you from the God of heaven. 
He wants the best. He wants to bless. He wants to bring good things. Even when hard things happen in your life, listen, he does the hard things for good. It's out of goodwill. Because God loves you. Where are you going to get a Savior like that? Where are you going to get somebody that's going to step into your life with that kind of power and want your best and want your good? Why would you go against them? Why would you go your own way? Why would you hold on to the hurts and pains and the difficulties and, and, and let, let the bitterness get into your soul? Let it go. God's got goodwill towards you. He's going to work it out. Let me say this to you too. <clears throat> if you're not saved this morning, you're going to say to me, but I thought you said the wrath of God was upon me. Well, that's true. The wrath of God is upon you. But there's goodwill for you in the sense that he says, Come. I will save you. Come. <clears throat> yes, my wrath is on sin. Yes, my wrath is on your life uh, because of your sin. But come. I will save you. J- just yield. Just bow. Just, just give in. And I will save you. Just come and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and I will save you. That's the kind of goodwill that's there for you. God reaches down from heaven in the form of his son and he sent this baby that's going to grow and live and, and, and demonstrate who he is and then die on a cross for you. And he says, look, I'll pay the price for your sin. I'll take it all on my shoulders. Just come. Now, why wouldn't you come? What would hold you back? What would stop you from coming? Somebody says, well, well, I'm not sure I can believe. Listen, yes, you can believe. Believing is simply a matter of you trusting what Jesus did for you. It's simple. It's simply a matter of you trusting what Jesus did. Are you a sinner? There's a rare person that, uh, who's not totally deluded that will say, no, I'm not a sinner. We all know we've sinned. We all know we've done things wrong. <clears throat> I mean, do, do we know in our, in our hearts that God is upset about sin? Yeah, we do. Regardless of all the efforts of men to remove God from the picture, in the quiet of the night, we all know there's someone out there bigger than us. And somehow we're accountable to him. And that someone that you're accountable to for your sin is coming to you and saying to you, will you come? Will you call upon the name of the Lord? Will you ask me to save you? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen, the gift of Christmas is not under the tree. The gift of Christmas is Jesus. He gave us salvation as a free gift. And along with salvation, he gave us his goodwill so that he wants to be in your life and live and bless and do you good all your days. What a Savior. We will spend eternity praising him for what he did. But let's make it real. Let's, let's let it be real. If you're not saved, get saved. If you're not enjoying his peace, listen, let go and enjoy his peace.
don't let Christmas time be a time when you when you struggle through, <clears throat> when you bear the burden, when you when you when you're fighting and fussing with yourself and with people, and you don't have peace with yourself, you don't have peace with people. Listen, let the Prince of Peace into your heart today. Just open your heart up and say, Lord, listen, I need to be saved. Would you save me? Lord, there's a problem in my life. I'm saved, but there's a problem. There's a difficulty. Lord, would you deal with it? Would you help me? And you know what? If you let the Prince of Peace in, he will come, and his peace will change things. Let's stand for prayer.